Welcome to From X to Z, the ultimate cross-generational conversation on health, wellness, and self-care. Guided by inspiring Gen Z trailblazers and expert voices. I'm your host, Vicki Cornwall. Get ready for eye-opening insights and actionable tips that transform your life. Welcome to another enlightening episode of From X to Z. I'm thrilled to introduce you to our incredible guest, Manisha Dobbin. She's an executive coach, consultant, facilitator, author, speaker, and the founder of Empath Coaching. With a diverse background spanning various industries, Manisha brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the table. In her book, The Digital Agile Leader, Manisha shares powerful stories and strategies on how to navigate change, not only in the workplace, but also in life, where she gained valuable insights into entrepreneurship and business operations. She's worked with renowned organizations like PwC, Deloitte, Shalom, and Taco Bell, leading global digital and change initiatives across multiple functions. Manisha is a true strategic business advisor with a deep passion for people. Today, we're diving into a topic that's both timely and critical for the emerging workforce, burnout, well-being, and navigating the dynamic corporate environment. In an era where the demands of professional life are constantly evolving, Gen Z individuals are facing unique challenges that require a fresh perspective. During our conversation, Manisha will provide valuable insights into recognizing the signs of burnout, practical strategies to prevent it, and the importance of establishing healthy work-life balance. Welcome, Manisha. How are you? I'm doing well, Vicki. How are you? I'm doing very well. We're so happy to have you here with us today. Um, we're really excited to talk a little bit about um, kind of working in the corporate world and the stress that might come from that and how to work better in, in that environment. But um, let's just get started. I, I know you started out working with your father in your family business and then went on to work at several global companies before starting your own coaching business. So okay, you've had several pivots in your career. So tell us about your journey. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's one of those things you reflect back on and you try to connect the dots. But in, in hindsight, a lot of the pivots I made sometimes, often, were not planned. And I just raised my hand or said yes to an opportunity that came my way. Mm-hmm. But at each juncture, there was a point in my career where I either felt stagnant, like I was not getting the growth that I wanted, um, mm-hmm. or I had this urge to try something new, or there was a piece of me that was kind of burning out inside. <laughs> so it's interesting. You right. mentioned working with my dad, and that was my first exposure to business at a very early age, watching him build the company from the ground up in our garage. I mean, we came from pretty humble beginnings. My parents are immigrants from India, and my dad really didn't have anything to his name, and I watched him build and create something from scratch. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I think, you know, when we think about our work ethic and our tendencies, they might start from a very early age in terms of what's being role modeled to us. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So I, I just, that perseverance, that grit, determination, resilience, uh, I, I learned at a, at a very young age. But also the flip side of that was just working really, really hard all the time. Um, you know, to make ends meet. And then he evolved and expanded and grew the business. And I'm still helping out uh, today, which is great. But as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, I took some pivots and pauses in between. 
Um, for me, you know, I, I went to business school to get my MBA after working in the family business for a while. I wanted to just spread my wings and see where I could go next. And my family mm -hmm. was very supportive of that. And I found myself in the world of management consulting. So that went, that meant at that time, you get on a plane every Monday at 6.45 a.m. was my flight every Monday. And I would sometimes stay through Friday or Thursday evening and over the weekend do laundry, rinse and repeat next Monday, get on a plane. And it was like that for years. And I didn't know any that's better. Tough. That's tough life. That's tough life right there. Tough road warrior life. Yeah. Living out yeah. of a suitcase. Yeah. I didn't really invest much in my social life, but at that time in my twenties, you know, I mean, they give you a corporate card and you think that you're, it's overly glamorized, <laughs> but you think <laughs> you start to normalize your circumstances and think that this is like a career you're building. Um, and I did hit points of burnout throughout that, but I learned so much. Um, I learned how to build high-performing teams um, under high pressure and still also try to be mindful of the fact that they could burn out, so giving them some space to re recharge. Uh, so I led some pretty large-scale global change initiatives at, at um, companies like Deloitte PwC and traveled a ton, um, ultimately decided to take a step away from that road warrior lifestyle and took a full-time opportunity. Um, at that time, it was one of my clients um, at Taco Bell headquarters. Oh, wow. So that oh, was an wow. interesting journey. Yeah. Another pivot. <laughs> so at, at Taco Bell, I mean, they, they, they're a very fast-paced organization. They were doing a ton of change. I probably had like six bosses in five years. Um, so very hectic because they were, you know, it, it's the industry, I think, um, lends itself to continual change. It's, you know, fast food, quick service restaurants, mm -hmm. 7,000 restaurants across the U.S. Um, so pretty big footprint. And I led a lot of large scale digital implementations like Grubhub, DoorDash, delivery integration, kiosks in the restaurant. So um, I, I think for me, it was just about learning and, and trying out new roles and being exposed to new industries. And that started at that young age in the entrepreneurial household and being a consultant for so many years, I kind of grew accustomed to just change and adapting. And then mm -hmm. fast forward, you know, I took another stint in recruiting and staffing, which, um, which was a complete pivot as well until I finally realized, you know what, maybe I should start my own consulting business because I've been doing it for so long. And I also mm -hmm. uh, found people coming to me for advice quite often about navigating challenges in the corporate world. What, how do I deal with my, if my boss is, um, not seeing eye to eye or it's just downright toxic and abusive yeah oftentimes that yeah. means you leave <laughs> or how do i deal with team conflict and challenges and communication issues and it it became i became fascinated with like organizational psychology and the inner workings of teams and how to structure and build teams so that they can deliver great work while also respecting we are very unique and different individuals yeah, that, that's, that's a good journey. <laughs> well, what, what would you say was um, your favorite job out of all those different, you know, areas you've been through? Oh, such a good question. And I think at the time I'm like, yeah, this is kind of fun and this is better than what I was doing before, but until it wasn't. <laughs> but in retrospect, you know, there's nothing like working in a family business and there's nothing like having your own hmm. thing. That's not to say, I mean, but those are probably the, one of the two jobs I've worked the hardest in because you're working for yourself. But you're still setting agency over your calendar, over the clients you pick. You have a lot of creative freedom. So it was filling up parts of my soul that I wasn't getting in, in some of those other roles. 
but I think any role where I'm allowed to have some autonomy, it was more about like, the, was it aligning with my values and how I like to work? So the autonomy, yeah. Yeah. Um, bringing my authentic self to work and, and still being recognized and rewarded for that, um, having support and advocacy throughout the organization. And then it kind of, you know, the work itself um, mattered less. It still mattered. You know, I still wanted to do some something that I felt like I was making an impact. But when I'm with a team of people and we get along well and we're working towards the same yes, goal. that environment that is environment, so important. Super huge. The culture. That's number one for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the culture. Exactly. That's number one for me for sure. Yeah. Um, agree. When you think about the lessons that you've learned kind of throughout the different areas you've been in, um, what 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 are some of the lessons you are using currently as, as a coach your, in your coaching profession today? Yeah, it's interesting because... You know, I, I realize I'm human too and I'm not perfect. So I think having empathy is huge, you mm. know, recognizing that we're all on our own journey of change and resistance and um, acceptance. So when I'm meeting with a lot of my clients and sometimes the people that I coach are, are coming to me or HR, I guess, pairs them up with me because they may need to develop some of their people skills and their listening skills and Mm -hmm. retain their team members and build that culture and drive engagement. Um, And I know what it's like to work for ineffective leaders, but when I meet with the individuals, I start developing, you know, a sense of understanding that um, they're not intentionally trying to be jerks. You know, I mean, of course there are narcissists and people in the world that exist, but they are, you know, they really are struggling themselves with uh, maybe also understanding themselves and their own biases and, you know, how they're wired. Um, They have really, really big workloads and high pressure and expectations from their leadership. So it's like a trickle down effect. And I think they just may not have the skills to manage that. Um, and now they've inherited a team or started to lead people and maybe they were mm-hmm. really great in a technical role, but not so much in a people role. So I just learned from my experience working with so many diverse people that um, we can all, not everybody may want to lead or should lead, but we can lead in different ways and still be effective. Oh, I like that. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we were talking about burnout. Let's let's really get into this idea of burnout because, you know, today there's there's a lot going on in the world, and I think whether it's in your personal life or in your career, I, I find that stress in general and anxiety um, seems to be inc- increasing or all around us. But when I think <laughs> about burnout, I think about someone who, you know, it, we're not in career, someone who has either. Um, kind of progressed a while in their career uh, or, you know, they've, they've been doing it for a while and they're just tired of it, or maybe someone who's hit like this mid career crisis. But what I'm hearing from my Gen Z friends is that career burnout is a big issue for them. Um, which I really found interesting when I first was, you know, had, had that awareness. And according to some studies, I looking around at this and I was uh, Cigna international health had done a global study this year, earlier this year. And, they found that um, 91% of 18 to 24-year-olds reported being stressed at work compared to 84% on average. And then some other stats around it include um, the fact that Gen Zs are emerging as the most stressed demographic in the workplace, which is like, wow. And they're really struggling to cope. And the data really shows that almost 98% of them are dealing with symptoms of burnout. So 
you know, I was thinking that, okay, this is really something I want to dig into a little bit more. And I, I thought it'd be great to talk to someone who coaches people on a regular basis and just to talk to you about, um, you know, what you're seeing and, and what you may talk to people about as they're going through burnout. Because in short, the youngest workers that are, you know, out there right now are having the most trouble wrestling with demands of professional life. So what do you think is going on? Yeah. And Vicki, you know, those are staggering statistics. And I've seen similar, uh, you know, similar numbers out there that burnout is widespread. Yeah. And it's not just in the U.S., it's worldwide. And obviously coming uh-huh. off the heels of the pandemic and other global socioeconomic shifts and just kind right. of the sign of the times of what people are facing and dealing with right now at any age. But when you're Gen Z and you're just kind of entering into the workforce and we still have a very, very long way to go. It can feel quite pretty daunting. And, um, you know, just everything they're experiencing and if they have the right level of support that they need as they're going through their journey. Um, But when I think of burnout, and I think it's important to identify the root cause of it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because there can be so many sources of that. It could be work very much so, but maybe we're coming into work with only a few hours of sleep. And we were we have anxiety from the relationships that we're in, or the environment we live in, and the household um, we're a part of, and we're carrying that with us into a work environment, which may also place a lot of demands on you. Right? It could be where you're, you know, today a lot of teams are running lean. There's um, fluctuations in the economy. We're seeing mass layoffs. There's probably stress financially for Gen Z thinking about how are they going to yeah. support themselves? What does that future roadmap look like? You know, how are they going to even afford a house when, when there's inflation happening? And, Seriously. Right? Yeah. It's a lot. It's really a lot to think about. Um, and so I think it could stem from just even just the mental burnout overwhelm of thinking through mm. these challenges that can feel very draining. Um, and then if we're not nurturing other sides of us holistically, like the physical well-being, So, getting that good night's sleep, nutrition, making sure we're, you know, getting the right nutrients in and well hydrated. I mean, those are like basic things, but over time when it adds up, I mean, burnout can be, feel like it's gradual or one day we wake up and we're like, oh my gosh, I quit. I'm burnout. I'm done. But paying attention to those early signals and signs along the way to prevent it from escalating. Uh, Because to your point, it's stress, it's prolonged stress you know, stress yeah. every single day. And yeah. Gen Z may not get this, have the access to getting the skills and the resources and the tools to be able to cope. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you had experiences um, in your work ex- dealing with individuals that may have experienced burnout, whether they're Gen Z or not, just in, in the people you've coached? Absolutely. It's one of the common things I hear. It's like the first thing mm. they tell me is like, look at my calendar. I'm double, triple booked, you know, and I think people maybe are reluctant to speak up and say, I need support. Help me really prioritize this workload. Yes, it's true. Right. No one wants to be seen as like the weak one, right? Yeah. You don't want to feel like you're burdening or you can't, you don't have your stuff together and you need, I mean, I, yep. I faced that myself too. I had a level of pride where I'm like, yeah, I got this. And then it started to take a toll on my health to the point where I had to take a leave of absence from my job for over a year and undergo like massive medical surgeries, which I mean, in hindsight, there was a few things that were simmering and brewing under the surface, partly mm. genetic, partly my environment, but add to that 
stress day after day after day, that can, you know, accelerate disease states. It can really impact yeah. us. Um, so yeah. when I, when I now coach other people, I have to take a look at myself and, and check myself, like, how am I living out my values and, uh, you know, what I'm trying to help other people do. And again, having that self-compassion where I'm human and there are, you know, stress is something that we'll all have and there's healthy levels of stress. We, we don't want to just right. live like, yeah, that's true. Totally. Honestly, I'm, I'm one of those people that did kind of, I thrive for better or for worse. I thrive off of a little stress. Yeah. It keeps, it pushes me to, right. you know, to, to work that much harder for something. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, um, but then recognizing, okay, I, I'm starting to get irritable, or maybe I'm disengaging, and I just snapped at somebody okay. that I care about, yeah. and that's, I'm out of character for me. And then you take a step back and say, wait, there's something more going on under the hood. And it's okay to raise my hand and say, I need help, or I need to take a break. And when I, I wasn't doing that when I got really sick, because again, that pride, I didn't want to be a burden to others. I was kind of embarrassed to talk about it. I thought I was in denial. I thought it was going to get better until it, I kind of hit my rock bottom moment. And I realized the only way up and out of this is with others, with, with help from others. I couldn't do it alone. And mm. so I encourage people to not wait that long till, you know, yeah. rock bottom moment, yeah. but to continually check in with yourself. How am I feeling today? What am I, you know, maybe even journaling? What am I, um, what's my emotional state? What's my physical state? What do I really need in this moment? And having those regular check-ins yeah. with ourselves and with each other to, to care about community and not just ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Checking in with yourself. Sometimes when you get in the thick of it and you're moving so fast, um, you don't have those moments to just kind of check in on how you're feeling, how, you know, what's really going on with yourself. Or as you said, if you see someone else checking in with, with your communities, others, your friends, et cetera, your loved ones. Um, but it is that, that either self dialogue or dialogue with others that can make the difference. Right. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. You, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said we're just going about the motions every day and things are, time is just blurring together. So we may, that may feel like a luxury, you know, we're just trying to make it through the day, make ends meet, yeah. get a paycheck and, and sitting with ourselves and doing that reflection or meditation. It's, it's a lot to ask of ourselves when we're depleted. Um, and it's not necessarily a priority in, in the moment. Mm-hmm. But it is important to do. It is important to do. Very so even do. just scheduling it. I mean, I, look, technology is one of the sources, I think, that is causing yeah. people to feel burned out and drained because we're like stuck to our screens all the time. But could we, you know, use technology for good and harness it to help us maybe by setting reminders or, you know, using mm-hmm, some sort mm-hmm. of app to help us? I actually installed one the other day and it's really just even remind me to drink a glass of water because the day goes by and before I know it, it's seven Uh, o'clock. I've had like two sips of water. Not good. Absolutely. Oh my God. That I probably need that. You probably want to pass that app to me because that's one for me too. Remember to drink water throughout the day because I can go, 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 go. And it's like, I am so thirsty. I just need to have water. Absolutely. You know, something else I do is, um, some of the apps where they have like the calming music mm-hmm. when I'm re- when I get to a point when I'm really feeling particularly stressed during the course of a day, I will take a moment and just play spa music. I, I will search spa music <laughs> and just pay, play spa music. Cause I'm like, okay, just need a moment. I just need a moment just to calm myself yeah. down. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think we need to find what works for us. Music is a big healer and has been shown scientifically to like, lower our blood pressure and regulate our um, nervous system. If we can find something that, you know, can, mm-hmm. can do that. 
Um, <laughs> so I think I'm just, I'm, I'm chuckling because I remember when I was younger, I had a lot of teenage angst and I was like, I need to listen to some heavy metal. And that was like my way to <laughs> unleash it through the music. But I'm now, not mad at that though. <laughs> now I'm like you. No, sometimes, well, sometimes you got to move. You got to move. That's... I feel that too. <laughs> there are moments where I just need to just move and I need a good beat. There may be some Beyonce in there. I don't oh, know, but I, I, I understand Beyonce. that totally. <laughs> always got to have some Beyonce. I think movement, you hit on a great point. That's a great way to de-stress, to just circulate our blood and, you know, how many of us are sitting at a desk for endless hours a day these days? It's not yeah. good for our health. So yeah, yeah, simple, yeah, smaller, you know, small daily habits and rituals I think can help. Yeah. Okay. I think those are really good tactics we've talked about, but um, what do you think are some effective ways to set boundaries in the work, yeah. workplace um, and, and be, to be able to do that without feeling guilty or mm-hmm. compromising your career growth? This is such a great question. And, you know, I, I read something a while ago, there was a study done and it was about saying no, like the art of saying no, because mm. setting boundaries, part of that is saying no. And a lot of us have a hard time with that, especially if we are err on the side of being a people pleaser or mm-hmm. we want to mm-hmm. help others and care for them or just, you know, it's, it's hard to say no to our boss when our boss is telling us to do something. Yeah. Um, so I read a couple things, you know, there's no and or no but like no but let me give you a resource um, or no not right now I can't right now let me direct you in a different direction Um, and the study that I read was that people don't feel like saying no because they feel guilty but what happens over time is they start to feel resentful Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the studies have shown that resentment is worse for our health than guilt of saying no So it might be better to feel a little bit guilty and try to help somebody in another way, point them in another direction. You know, this is, I can't help you right now. And here's why, here's my reasons why I I need to take care of myself right Mm -hmm. now. Um, That that is actually better for health than saying yes, 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 all the time and having no boundaries. And then later on, people might have unintentionally violated our boundaries or overstepped them. And we never really course corrected that. So we build that resentment and we're living with that resentment inside until we explode or we just hold it in. So that's just something to think about long-term. I think boundary setting is an ongoing practice. Maybe we can start in safer spaces with people we trust, like our friends um, or maybe with, you know, family member and just say, I, I just need 10 minutes or one hour, whatever it is a day to process mm-hmm. some things, to cool down, to think through things, and let's reconnect. But I think the, keeping the lines of communication are really important when you set boundaries so that you aren't straining the relationship yeah. or people don't yeah. feel like you're shutting them out. Absolutely. Yeah. Communication is always a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to be, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes as you're talking here because I, I've realized about myself is in certain, certain um, instances, I don't have, I don't have boundaries. I don't set enough boundaries. I will just keep taking things on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that I need to work on that for myself is this idea of setting boundaries in certain areas of my life. So I'm taking notes as well. 
Yeah. And there's another strategy that I learned. And I hear about that from leaders all the time too, that they say yes so much, but what happens is, especially if you have a team, it trickles down to them and they feel that. They I know. Much. And that, and that's the worst. Cause I don't want my team yeah. to have to like experience that. Right. I right. would never want anyone else. I, I, I would, I'm more like, I'm willing to take it all on myself, but you're right. Yeah. It trickles down. It trickles yeah. down. You're right. And, and that's another reason why it's hard to delegate to other people because we might feel guilty of burdening them. So we take on more work mm-hmm. and it's just like perpetual mm-hmm. cycle. Mm-hmm. But there was another strategy that I've heard that I like, and it's do, delegate, delete, automate. So what is wait, it? Wait, wait, say that really... again now. <laughs> <laughs> say that again. It's do. So like, what is it okay. that you really need to actually do? What's real priority? Okay. Delegate. What could you potentially delegate? Do you have like somebody on your team or somebody that could potentially, you know, rise to the challenge and send it okay. their way and see what they can do? Um, so do delegate. The third one is delete. Like, this is not important. I can get this off my plate. It's been sitting on my list for two and a half years. I probably won't, don't need to look at it every single day um, or reprioritize it and do it. And then so do delegate, delete or automate, you know, maybe some systems in place where you are notifying people or okay. um, leveraging. I know we've got a lot of the AI boom or whatever, you know, the um, technology to say, you know, like send automatically send this email every week or newsletter, whatever it is, right. Whatever your business um, systems are, do you have automation capabilities for certain things that could be automated? Maybe you don't want to over automate Mm -hmm. and lose the human touch, but maybe there's certain things you can do. And just, I'm constantly like reassessing, like, where am I? What is everything on my plate? Um, What's the mental level of energy and capacity required to complete this task? If it's a lot of mental energy, maybe it's the first thing I do in the morning because I just yeah. want to get off my plate and I can have the rest of the day. Or maybe I use a very focused, productive time that I know I'm very focused and productive at three o'clock or out mm-hmm. right after lunch mm-hmm. or before lunch, maybe not after lunch. And that's when I time block um, and get pretty uh, systematic in terms of setting those boundaries, reprioritizing and trying not to overburden myself or anyone. Um, so those are just some ways to do it, but I think it goes back to learning to say no as well. Yes, yes. We may want to do yes. it all. It's like all of these things are important, every single one of them. And even like this company I worked at, they would tell us like these 500 things are important. You need to do all these projects. So then have a realistic conversation and say, okay, based on that, um, let's rank stack these, which ones are real priority. And this is how much time I think it's, you know, I think yeah. six months versus six weeks, you know, negotiating and having those conversations rather than saying yes and then going away and then feeling burned out and miserable. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you, you hit it when you're saying like, you know, going back over what that list of priorities, because, you know, I think that what happens is, you know, someone's manager or those above, they, they have in their mind what's going on, but they don't really know the task or the things that have to occur to make something happen. So um, trying to be clear about what something takes, like it's almost like reading it back to them. Okay. So I understand we want to do X, Y, Z. This is what it's going to take for me to do that. All right. So that means that I may not be able to do this other thing that you'd asked me to do yesterday, just making sure we're, we're clear. So again, it's that communication, just being super clear about it in a respectful way. 
Yeah, I love you said that, reading it back to them so they can even hear it themselves, because they probably forgot the other 10 things I gave you yesterday. Yes, I, right? I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm right. so guilty of that. <laughs> you, can't, you can't track it all, but that's when it's up to it, the onus is on the individual to let you know, you know, mm-hmm. like, here's what I'm dealing with right now. How can you help me prioritize or shuffle things around? I mean, I remember a boss told me once, he said, here's a project go figure it out. And he wouldn't even give me any direct. It was so vague. And, <laughs> and I didn't even know how much time Love it was going to take. And, and so I had to get pretty creative and resourceful and talk to other people and kind of give mm-hmm. some rough estimate. And I worked in a lot of IT tech projects where we were always like, they call it t-shirt sizing. So like, it's, it's an extra large. It's going to take a lot of time. This is a small, it's low effort. <laughs> and we're kind of like sizing. I like that. Tasks. I like that. <laughs> But we, we're, it's always a best guess, you know, so we, we kind of learn as we go and realize, oh, wait, wow, that actually took a lot longer. Next time I will pad in more time mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or ask for help. Uh, maybe there's someone on the team that can come in for like two hours and we can accelerate this task and get it done. Right, right. Well, you're talking about different other people that you might work with or cross-functional team members. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about how young professionals can foster meaningful mm-hmm. relationships in the workplace. Um, and, and how these relationships really contribute to their overall, you know, career growth and then also well-being. So important. Oh my gosh. Looking back, that's like the one driver, consistent driver for me of just success. And I, I will say sanity too. Um, mm-hmm. you know, mental well-being is, is having that, first of all, being resourceful enough because it might not be given to you. I mean, I've been in a lot of companies where, nope, sorry, we don't have mentorship programs. No, you can't have a mentor. No, no, no. You know, um, don't worry about that. Just go talk to your boss and maybe your boss doesn't even advocate for you. So you feel like you're stuck in a rock in a hard place. But uh, I also learned that if you sit around and wait, like I'm sitting and waiting for that promotion or waiting for that recognition Mm. and assuming that someone is going to help me along and, and notice all my great work, that was a a lesson, a big lesson learned that no, I need yes. to advocate for myself. Yes. Yes. That's, I learned that lesson the hard way as well. That type of thing doesn't come natural for me. This idea of, of advocating for myself, or it's not mm-hmm. even just about tooting your own horn, but I know that there are people out there who do that very well. That doesn't, that doesn't come natural for me, but it is important to do. It's a skill and it, it feels awkward and uncomfortable. And we, you know, a lot of us that are not it's like self-promotion feels yuck, you know, it feels a little, so yeah. But I think going back to this like authenticity piece, can we do it in ways that are authentic to ourselves? Mm -hmm. Maybe it is stretching ourselves outside our comfort zone, but it doesn't mean we go and, you know, I've seen people literally go in in meetings and and broadcast all their accomplishments and they're really vocal about it. And it's a little bit. Yes, there are definitely people who do that. Yes. (laughs) So you don't need to grandstand it, but maybe you have, you know, schedule like a coffee with somebody in a different department and, you know, like a a VP in marketing, maybe you're um, somebody in IT, you want to learn about marketing, maybe move into that space. Um, obviously without stepping over anyone's toes, you know, really understanding. And, and by the way, mentorship can come in unexpected places too. It, it doesn't have to be people with big lofty titles. It can be your peers, can be your mentors. I like that. Yeah. Uh, people yeah. outside the organization, maybe if you're part of um, like activity groups or, you know, friends of family, or if you join in a local association for, something you're interested in um, and let people know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, I'd, I'd really love to have, and it, it, it happens organically. You can't just say, will you be my mentor necessarily, unless you really know them well, because you may not 
it may not click, right? So it's more just, hey, can we get coffee? I'd love to learn the, your scope of work, what you're what you're working on, how I might be able to contribute to that, or how my my work uh, lines up with yours, and just you know, just you're just learning, and then you get to pick and choose and select as well. Uh, I think you can have multiple mentors. You can look yeah. not just at mentors, but people that will challenge you. You know, some people, I, I like to think of like a board of directors or a, your personal network, you know, so you, I think, like that. Yeah, you think yeah. of someone that's going to advocate for you, maybe sponsor you, open doors for you. That was really hard for me. I never really found that in my career. <laughs> to be honest, I had to like pry my way open or figure out how to maneuver through the system. It happens sometimes, right? It happens yeah. sometimes. And you have to ask yourself, is that a place that you want to be? Or can you, again, get resourceful? I, one of my closest friends was the executive admin for um, the chief information officer, the CIO. And although I didn't necessarily have, you know, close relationship with him, like she was, had his ear and she knew a lot of insights uh-huh, and she was, uh-huh. I mean, executive admins, they have a lot of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's so true. That's, and you have to realize that, you know, I, I liken that to, <laughs> to buying low. You know, people like I, I buy this department stores or well, it used to be department stores, especially stores and 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 at mass retail, right? I I definitely think that you should have connections at, at all levels of the company, without a doubt. Absolutely, and be open to where those mentors and so to me, relations not just mentors, but just cross functional peer relationships. I mean, that's how a mm-hmm. lot of the time that I was able to get work done was through relationships, and you're constantly building social capital. So it's not just when you need it. Hey, can you do something for me? It's yes. hey, I'm gonna like consistently be nice to you and try to build a relationship with you, and then in the event that I need something, you know. If I don't, that's great. But if I do, I know that we can lean on each other because we've built a trust. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, so that's good about, that's a good conversation about building trust and building relationships. But let's also talk about what are strategies for managing difficult relationships or, or conflict in the workplace? Oh, I love this. Um, so this is going to be a tough one, I think. Oh, quite honestly, it's, it's mm-hmm. tough for all of us. And But I'm wondering if, you know, as a Gen Z, you're coming into the workplace because that that. That could be like, well, I wasn't expecting this in, you know, in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. What am I walking into? What did I sign uh-huh. up for? There is uh-huh. conflict everywhere. And I, I, I think there are, I think there's healthy, productive conflict that it's, you know, that can drive innovation and creativity. And if we can kind of manage the, that conflict, um, conflict, I think stems from, well, difference of opinion, maybe different approaches. And we have our own sets of biases and lenses through which we view the world. And things are happening so fast in the workplace. So I meet you, I say, hey, Vicky, I need this thing I need for my project. And you're like, well, I'm in the middle of 10 other things. Can you set up some time on my calendar? Or why didn't you ask? You know, you didn't even ask me nicely. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so I think it, it starts with, again, that, that self-awareness. But it also starts with social awareness. Like, Vicky, how well do I know you? And how you like to be communicated with? And how you like to be approached? And maybe you like uh-huh. to socialize and chit chat more and build that rapport before just diving right into work. Or maybe you're very like direct and, you know, action oriented and you're like, just tell me what you need. I got 10 other things. Just get to the point. Yeah. But if I don't know that I'm coming in, I'm assuming I'm just going to ask the way I normally ask people. And then these conflicts build over time. Uh, I think conflict can stem from the culture itself. If the culture is promoting like go 
duke it out over here and no one's really yeah there's but no there's bystanders that are just standing by and not intervening then it can escalate so i think as a gen zer needing to um just come into that place with an open mind just observe your surroundings um i like to assume good good intent i like to again go back to like the root cause what is the source of this conflict and and look at the data like put the personalities and the personal opinions or personal beliefs aside because that can get very divisive and just look mm-hmm. and say what problem are we really trying to collectively solve do we have a common shared goal right here? right at the end of the day we came in there to be able to solve a problem mm-hmm. let's just let, let's put the focus on that yeah yeah we'll and you that. just said Absolutely. those magic words like solving problems so can we approach it as there's a problem to solve um, how do we use our, you know, do we need to bring in other people, a mediator potentially if it gets that to that point, but sometimes Gen Zers are not empowered yet in the workplace, depending on right, that right. situation. So yeah. they could play peacemaker or they could just go back in one-on-one and say, you know, this is what I, I, I noticed that was going on. Help me understand if I misunderstood or misinterpreted. I'm really here to learn. I want, I value our relationship. So approaching somebody with that, that care can, you know, um, just meeting them where they are as well can help to build some bridges. That's a good one. That's, that's good. Very good advice. And one more question I have with this from, um, how can Gen Z individuals advocate for themselves in the workplace? It's kind of like a bridge to that, um, without coming across as pushy or entitled. That is a bad rap that I'm going to admit that us, Gen Xers like to give to Gen Z. Okay, they're like they're they're so entitled. But um, how how <laughs> how can they really advocate for themselves without mm-hmm. people you know someone thinking that they're you know so pushy or whatever? Such a good and and Vicky. By the way, I had this personal experience. I I hired somebody to work for me, and within two weeks, she asked me for a director title, and she wanted. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> so I was now. like, come on now, come on now. <laughs> yeah. So there's an extremes, extreme versions of that where you're jumping in right. and you're like, this is what I need to, and not, not all Gen Zers. I, I shouldn't say that, you know, I have nieces and relatives that are Gen Z and I'm probably was a bit of like that. Well, no, I never really was like that at that age. I was actually very much like, this is how you do it. This is the system. You got to uh-huh, follow the rules. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. now I think there's like, they're coming in and saying, well, maybe we can reshape these rules and that's great. And rules are made to be broken. Exactly. To be broken. Yeah, t- times are changing. So I think um, I think there's ways to advocate. I, I would always like track and log your accomplishments. So it's not just like, hey, this is what I need and why. It's like here, hey, this is what I'd like to set for a career goal. Um, here's what I've done so far in that vein. Can mm-hmm. we partner together to talk about potential gaps or um, create a pathway to get to this goal? So you're approaching it more like a partnership with your manager and it doesn't come across as aggressive. You know, it's it's more of like, and you're showing that you're prepared, you've done your homework, you're building a case for yourself and you're taking in feedback. Like I think taking in feedback is so important for our growth. Yeah. But if we're, if we're expecting to grow and bypass the feedback we're doing ourselves a disservice we might end up right. in a role we're not ready for yeah 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 oh yeah and that's not that's never good talk about anxiety and oh, going back up to the top burnout exactly exactly yes. <laughs> so if you had one piece of advice that you would give to a general Z in their early phases of their career what would it be you know just stay 
stay adaptable. And I know that sounds kind of obvious, but there's so many things that are shifting and changing. I remember thinking like, this is going to be my career. Here's where, here's the direction I want to go. And it didn't always work out. And I think if I had to like take a step back and, and reskill myself, I think that's another big lesson I would say is being adaptable, but Mm. continuing to upskill and reskill yourself because things are changing fast. You know, no, there's specialists. There's a lot of people that go deep in one area. Like if you're a doctor or an engineer, and I think that's great, but continuing to invest in your learning and, and build this mindset of lifelong continual learning and refresh because things can and will change. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, I, and, you know, I'm fortunate for this generation. They, they are experiencing change like no one else. So that's, that's they, very good advice to give to them. <laughs> they know that. Yeah. And Absolutely. they're, you know, they can be entrepreneurial. We've got now this accessibility to go online and create a business mm-hmm. like in a matter of seconds. So mm-hmm. yeah, explore that for sure. But, you know, I don't know how many people, like, there's probably a good amount of people that actually like financially make it in those channels. And I definitely encourage entrepreneurship and exploring that, but then being realistic and practical with your situation and saying, you know, I might need to actually work and get a job. And by the way, when you do that, you acquire invaluable skills that, right? I mean, people are want to work, for example, even if you have a fully remote job, I think for the Gen Z group, if you can go and get that FaceTime in an office or at a team building event or something, it's so important for the, so you're not feeling isolated and you're developing really important social skills. Yeah. Yeah. And then for any Gen X leaders out there, they might be listening in. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how can we promote a culture of well-being and mental health support in the workplace to our, you know, our team members yeah. to have that more inclusive and mm-hmm. positive work environment? Yeah, and I think well-being encompasses so much. It encompasses what you're talking about, which is diversity and inclusion. Because if I don't feel like I'm, I belong or I'm welcome here, then that can impact well-being. I think it encompasses um, just the culture, how work is getting done, the support systems in place, maybe access to resources. Um, mm. I think if you're a leader, it's about checking in with your team, doing those pulse checks, because people may not be wanting to speak up about what they're experiencing on a personal level. So is there a psychologically safe space to talk through those things? If not, can you point them in a direction where they can get the support that they need? Um, Are we normalizing some of this stuff? Are we kind of pretending it doesn't exist, but it's again, brewing under the surface. And by the way, leaders suffer from it too. So again, mental well-being, physical well-being, social well-being, are we cultivating relationships and connections that we need? Mm -hmm. Or maybe Mm -hmm. if we have, have, maybe need to take a step back if we're, you know, prone to introversion and we need to recharge before we re-engage with people. So that's social uh, dimension of wellness, financial wellness, planning for your future, um, spiritual wellness. It doesn't have to be religious, but it could just be some connection to like purpose or even like creative well-being, intellectual well-being. I think there's a lot of parameters that we need to, to look at um, within ourselves. And then as leaders, maybe whatever we can foster in that environment. And again, I I don't think companies, all companies will be able to provide everything for everyone, unfortunately, but what can you do? Can you foster more inclusion? Um, can you check in and and do, you know, surveys or check in and see how your employees are doing? Um, can you provide some, like if they've been working 
five weeks straight and weekends, like give a day off, <laughs> you know, those, those sorts of off. things. Yeah. 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 No, that, and you know, it's funny because those, those little things actually go a long way. A long way. Really go a long way. Absolutely. Meetings. Right. I mean, how many meetings are you packing on the calendar without oh, any airtime yeah. for, for, for breathing? Yeah. So. Yeah, the the meeting the meetings is is really ridiculous. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for these insights. So, before we wrap up, I do want to. I have a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Um, have you reflect on? So, looking back at your journey, what advice would you give your younger self if you can go back mm-hmm. ten years? And then, reflecting on your experiences and insights today, what message or reminder would you give your future self ten mm-hmm. years from now? Wow, this is so amazing. This is a powerful, I mean, well, I would tell my younger self to like believe in yourself because I had so much self-doubt and, you know, we go through like Mm. the self-esteem and what am I really doing and am I going to be successful and like I have to prove myself. It's like, you'll figure it out. Uh, Believe in yourself is a huge one and like not to give up or give in to those thoughts because they can be they can take over your space and cloud your judgment. Um, yeah. Believe in yourself and surround yourself with people that are not going to tear you down, that are going to challenge you in a healthy way to grow. But I, I do remember surrounding myself with people that I, looking back, were not good for me, <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. you just, you're young, you become friends. Mm-hmm. So I think the people you keep, and the mindsets you keep, what you're telling yourself. My future self, probably the same thing, something in a similar vein. Let's see. First, I think it's important to take a step back and define who do I want my future self to be? Who am I becoming? Am I proud of who am I becoming? So my future self would be like, wow, you've done amazing. Don't forget to celebrate how far you've come and what you've been able to overcome and conquer uh, and now hopefully I can be helpful to others throughout the lessons that I've learned. So I think as we get to a certain point in our life, in our career, it, it, we can extend ourselves outward in a different way to help other people. Yeah. yeah that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So Anisha, where can listeners find you online? Thank you. And by the way, this is, I feel like I can talk about this for for hours because I've enjoyed myself so much. But to continue the conversation, how about this? Yeah, reach out to me. I'm on, well, I need to be on some Gen Z platforms. I feel like I need to get on the ball with that. What are, what are people using these days? Is it threads? TikTok? Oh, the talk. Oh, the God. talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, well, I'm on LinkedIn. So, yeah. Find me on LinkedIn. Start there. Okay. <laughs> Manisha Dewan. That's my, you know, just M-A-N-I-M-A-N-I-S-H-A. Davan. D-H-A-W-A-N. Um, you can also go to my website, which is empathcoaching.com. And that's the letter M-P-A-T-H, coaching.com. Without the, it's empath without an E in front. I am on Instagram under empathcoaching as well. So right. I look forward to seeing Gen Zers there. And honestly, I, I feel like I, I can learn so much from them. And they're just, the, they're our future, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Vicki, for having me. In this episode of From X to Z podcast, we had the privilege of speaking with Manisha Davin, an accomplished executive coach, consultant, and founder of Empath Coaching. With a rich career journey filled with dynamic pivots, 
Manisha shared her valuable insights on diverse subjects, from recognizing burnout to effective leadership skills. Manisha's career story underscores the power of learning from various roles and embracing change. Drawing from her experience, she emphasized the importance of autonomy, support, and advocacy for a positive work environment. As an advocate of empathy and leadership, Manisha stressed the significance of developing people skills, a trait she values deeply. Sharing how she firsthand experienced working for both effective and ineffective leaders, she better understood the dynamics of nurturing a healthy working atmosphere. We delved into the nuanced topic of burnout, its causes, recognition, and prevention strategies. Manisha shed light on early signs and root causes, underlining the need for setting boundaries and employing technology to create healthier work habits. She introduced the do, delegate, delete, automate mantra for effective task management. Our conversation also explored the essence of building relationships in the workplace. From mentorship to open communication, Manisha highlighted the significance of social capital and emotional intelligence for career success. For Gen Z listeners, Manisha's advice was clear. Remain adaptable and invest in continuous learning to thrive in our ever-changing world. Manisha shared a wealth of knowledge for all generations and actual insights on navigating career pivots, managing burnout, and mastering leadership skills. Until next time, take care and embrace change as a path to growth and success. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Be sure to click the follow button on your podcast app to stay updated on our latest releases. Connect with us on Instagram and YouTube at From X to Z Podcast for more exciting content. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out with your questions and topic suggestions for future episodes. I'm Eugene X host Vicki, and you've just enjoyed From X to Z, the podcast that bridges the generations.